0: Please stand if you're able for the call to worship. God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It is a story of God's mercy and steadfast love.
1: It is our story for we
0: are God's people. Inspire us, loving God to faithfulness, to mercy, to steadfast love. Let us become a people who reflect your image.
2: seated and let me welcome you to worship here at Southside Baptist Church this morning it's good to be here on this holiday weekend to uh, see those who are here in town and um, have gathered here to worship the one true and living God there are those of you who are guests with us today and we would like to extend a warm welcome to you uh, especially uh, today as you've come and chosen to be here on this particular Sunday to worship with us uh, at Southside Southside Baptist Church is a church in the heart of Five Points South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond, and uh, that means welcoming all who come in to welcome you and to encourage you and to uh, help you in your uh, journey through your path uh, of life and spirituality as you grow into the person that God would desire you to be. So today we want to welcome all guests and members alike and we would ask you too if you could take a moment and fill out our uh, or sign the registration booklet at the end of each pew that would be helpful to us and then after you do that if you could welcome each other in the name of christ by passing the peace of christ if you would do that now please Stream. We welcome all of you, too, as you join us in this time of worship today. I hope that this service is uplifting to you and you leave this place, having felt your worship, the one true and living God. you find your place, and we continue in our time of worship, would you bow with me as we um, offer a prayer, asking the Lord to bless this time as we gather in his presence. Lord, we gather in this place today to worship you. We come with all sorts of things on our mind today, concerns that fill our mind, those tasks left undone, the friends and family that are suffering, all the concerns that we see on the forefront or the front page of the news. Oh, Lord, help us to put all of that aside. May we focus entirely on you, and may we lift our voices in glorious praise to you. For you have created us to be yours. You have breathed life into us, and you sustain us day by day. For all these things, we thank you, and we seek to worship you and honor you. In your name I pray. The first lesson of scripture today is from the Psalter, Psalm 112. Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness light dawns for the upright. The gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look and triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Here ends our first reading from Scripture.
1: Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 2, reading verses 39 through to the end of the chapter. Today we're going to begin a new series of homilies under the general title of Encountering Jesus, and this morning we're thinking about this passage of Luke's Gospel, what I've entitled The Hidden Years of Jesus in His Childhood. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own hometown of Nazareth. The child, Jesus, grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now, every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years of age, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. And then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to nazareth and was obedient to them his mother treasured all these things in her heart and jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor this is the word of the lord
2: You know, um this is a special day I guess isn't it we had Miss um, Abigail to come and lead us in the call to worship and now you come down to support your little sister be here with her right <laughs> well this is a, this is a good this is a good uh, lesson for today because we've got these two young ladies who many of us have watched grow up here in this church uh, from very small infants to the age you are now, the reading we just had, Doctor Roxburgh read. Did you hear it? Did you hear what he said? It was. It, guess who it was about? Jesus. Yeah, It was about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It was about Jesus, and and he, you know, sometimes we think about Jesus just as a grown up when he was teaching his disciples, don't we, or with his disciples? But he was just like us. He grew up. He was a baby. He. Grew up he did a lot of things at home he cried he did the th- same kind of things that you did and I bet at some point in time one of you wandered off in a store or something when your mom and dad couldn't find you have you ever done that yeah. Yeah. you did Was it, what did they say when they found you yes I think that's what I remember with mine too that we we're so happy that we find you but then Abigail that ever happened to you and same thing pretty much the same thing it probably happens to all of us we we don't mean anything by but we're just doing what comes naturally to us and that is we wander toward those things that interest us and we're we want to see what's there you're curious and we wander off and in this case When you did, when they find you, they're excited, they hug you, and then they say, don't you ever do that again, right? Something like that. Well, you know, the story about Jesus is a lot like that. He had gone and was doing something that he thought was he was supposed to do. He didn't see anything wrong with it. They just, they left him. He didn't leave them. They went back. He just stayed. And as a result of that, they couldn't find him. Now, do you think that his mother really just said, why have you done this to us? Why have you, done, have you uh, acted this way toward us? Or do you think she might have said a little more than that? Probably more. Based on our past experience, most of us would say that our parents, they might they give us a big hug and then they would say uh, a lot of things to us. And they might remind us of it later, Right? It's a part of growing up. It's a part of growing up and being the person that God has created you to be. And in Jesus' case, he was to assume those responsibilities. And he did that by beginning to establish who he was. And the end of that scripture, it says that he grew in wisdom and in stature, statue and in divine knowledge. In other words, he began to, to think about those things of God. So we think about Jesus as being the son of God, the Messiah. Savior, but we also know that he was once a little boy. He was a teenager, Abigail. (laughs) And he grew up in in that village in Nazareth, and he had friends, and you know that they ran around in the village and saw each other, and his dad taught him all kind of things to do as he was uh, really apprenticed by his dad as a carpenter. So when we think about Jesus... We can think about him understanding a lot of the things that we experience because he was just like us. He was also human and he came in the form of a baby or as a child and he lived among us. For that we can be thankful because he understands as we try to learn and to grow and how we try to follow what he has for us to do too. So let's give thanks that one, that just like your parents found you, that Jesus finds us. And he finds us and he welcomes us into his arms too. So let's bow together and give thanks. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunities we have to, to follow you. To know that as we do, that there are times we wander away, but yet you always welcome us home. Be with these two young ladies and guide them and help them as they grow uh, in wisdom and in stature and as they grow in divine knowledge of you. In your name I pray. Amen.
1: Will you pray with me this morning? Shall we pray? Lord, may your justice flow like a river reaching barren lands and sun-scorched deserts. Where people feel forgotten and hopeless, let your water of life comfort them. Where children lie abandoned or abused, let your water of life protect them. Where communities suffer at the hands of prejudice, let your water of life shield them. Where people die as victims of violence, Lord have mercy. Lord, today we ask for a mighty downpour from heaven. May your sons and daughters hear your voice. May we live as you lead us to live, go as you bid us to go, serve as you inspire us to serve. Give us to teach us to give until the earth is covered with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Today we pray that you would turn the hearts of all people, including ourselves, so that by the power of your Holy Spirit, peace may be established amongst the nations and the foundation of justice, righteousness, and truth, through him who was lifted up on the cross to draw all people to himself, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray and to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done Faith. Missing a child must be every parent's nightmare. When I was about six years of age, our family went to Windsor, just outside of London, in England, to become involved in a week of mission, along with a close friend of the family who was an evangelist within our own particular denomination. Well, on a day off, we went to Windsor Great Park, and somehow or another, I got lost somebody found me wandering. Probably I was looking for a bookshop or a Starbucks coffee shop or something like that, if they existed at that time. And the only thing that I really remember about it was that when my mum and dad eventually found me, I was sitting on a police motorcycle having the time of my life. We know very little about the childhood of Jesus. Indeed, this section of Luke's gospel is really the only information we have about the time from between his birth his presentation in the temple in Jerusalem until he became a teenager or almost a teenager Jesus was visiting Jerusalem Luke's gospel tells us that it was a habit of the family to go every year to passover the people of Israel would go down, down to the great festivals of faith and obviously the feast of Passover was the greatest of all festivals, reminding them of God's deliverance from slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And Jesus is there in Jerusalem for almost a week. And then the family decide to pack up and go back home. Jesus goes to the temple to ask the rabbis some questions, usually interpreted in light of the first century Jewish context. But Luke's gospel is written to Gentiles. And so, probably Luke, thinking about the great biographies that have been written about the heroes within the Gentile world, is thinking about Jesus as a significant figure in history who will later be a religious leader and somebody to whom people will look up to. Jesus' age is significant in the narrative 12 year old boy. Who has just learned perhaps to read the Torah for himself in synagogue, and it's a special occasion as they go to celebrate their faith in God and his love towards them. Mary and Joseph were faithful Jews. They make sure to fulfill their duties as parents. Earlier on in the chapter, they have gone when Jesus is eight years of age. They've presented him to the temple. They've offered the offering that was demanded by the Jewish law, and they've met some significant people including Simeon who has given a prophecy to Mary at that time, a sword shall pierce your soul. And now they're going back to home in Nazareth. When all this is happening and they're returning home, they're thinking that Jesus is with the family or friends. They don't look for him in the crowd. After the day of journeying takes place, They frantically are seeking him, and they don't find him. Were Joseph and Mary irresponsible parents? We might have thought they should be reported to the social work for a case study review or something like that. But the focus of Luke is not so much on Mary and Joseph, but it's on Jesus. Finally, after three days, think about that, three days, did they sleep at all? Why couldn't they find him? Well, the last place they thought he, was, he would be found was actually where he appears to have been all of the time, in the Jerusalem temple. When they finally find him, Mary says, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. As I said earlier on in this gospel, Simeon has said, a sword shall pierce your soul. And this is perhaps the first occasion when this is going to happen. They're mystified. They don't fully understand what is happening. I think probably Mary reproached Jesus with an angry voice and face. (laughs) Uh, She's thinking, not with a calm and soft voice, and perhaps chides him. She's worked up. She's tense. She's exasperated. Her nerves are taut. In one sense, Jesus sounds like a kind of cocky adolescent. I don't think that parenting Jesus was easy. Jesus assumed that they knew where he would be found. Well, I suppose he was supposed to be about his father's business. He was supposed to be busy fulfilling God's saving plan for humanity. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? The assumption as I read that verse is that Jesus has been taught by Mary and Joseph all the very significant events that took place before he was born, when he was born, and after he was born. He's been told that he's different. Yes, he's the son of Joseph and Mary, but he's also special. He's the son of the living God. Jesus in some way is aware of his identity because they had taught him well, but he's in the temple not to teach, but to learn to ask questions, to discern and to discover why he has come into this world. So Luke concludes the story with a family journeying back to Nazareth. I suspect the first few hours were all in silence. And then as they relaxed, they began to talk about what it would be like to be back home. Luke says that Jesus returned. He increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. I was taken with this passage uh, during the summer, I was preparing an academic paper on preaching in the mid 20th century amongst the denomination where I grew up. And I was using as the basis of the paper, my father's sermons. And I discovered a sermon that I don't remember ever hearing my father preach, but it was entitled The Hidden Years. Within the sermon, he makes this comment about what it would have meant for Jesus to grow up as a child in Nazareth. It would be for many years, my father said, a life of obscurity, a life in which there would be progress from innocence to a demonstrated positive and perfect holiness that would mark him out as the only savior of humanity. This story about Jesus in the temple is bookmarked by two statements about him. We read that the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, the favor of God was upon him. In the end of the chapter, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. There's a little extra at the end of the second one. Not only is his life being blessed by God, but his life is being recognized as being significant by those around him. He's not static in his development, he's not all-wise, he increases in wisdom. He's thoroughly human. The words indicate a growth in moral and religious and intellectual life. Throughout the Gospels, we get the impression that people who were aware of who Jesus was in his humanity are confused as to who he really was. To be sure, his disciples later on were going to be mystified by this person people from his hometown are puzzled too in john's gospel when jesus talks about himself as coming down from heaven the people say well isn't this jesus the son of joseph whose father and mother we know the disorientation about the identity of jesus is striking when it comes to his family in Mark, when Jesus' mother and brothers are waiting for him and call to see him, Jesus responds by saying, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. In encountering Jesus in the 21st century, Luke wants us to know that he is indeed the Son of God, but he's also a real human being. A real human baby, a child, an adolescent, and growing up to be a man. One of the best love Christmas carols once in Royal David City contains a stanza, Jesus is our childhood pattern. Day by day like us he grew. He was little, weak, and helpless. Tears and smiles like us he knew. Thus he feels for all our sadness and he shares in all our gladness. Jesus is being, we're being reminded here by Luke that Jesus grows up. And it takes time. It took time for Jesus to be brought up as an observant Jew, understanding Jewish law and custom. It took time for Jesus to mature and gain wisdom and knowledge. He's not wise beyond his years. He's not a precocious protege of Jerusalem. He's thoroughly human. He grows up with Mary and with Joseph. To be sure, Jesus' identity is exceptional. As the son of God, he's obviously unique. And Luke maintains throughout the gospel that Jesus is exceptional and his identity is different. And yet at the same time, Luke wants us to know that Jesus didn't come fully formed into this ministry. He comes as a baby, comes as an infant, a child, an adolescent, a teenager, and develops into a man. He increases in wisdom and in divine favor. Like all of the gospel writers, Luke insisted that Jesus is both Son of God and Son of Man. And this this insistence is at the heart of the Christian story. The Christian story of Jesus, fully God, fully human. It means that he knows how we feel when things disappoint us, distress us, fill our hearts with doubts. But it also means that he can help us. He is the one who was helped. He is the one who grows spiritually, religiously, intellectually, and morally. He is the one who is beside us as we go through everything. And the same Spirit of God who is with Jesus is the same Spirit of God who lives within ourselves. He helps us to live a good life, a life where we develop physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It means that in and through Him, The poor and well as the rich, the powerless and the powerful, the sinner, the suffering, the righteous, all of us are able to discover his concern for us, his presence with us, his grace and love towards us. Because he has been where we are and he is able to call us to follow him and be like him. He is indeed our childhood pattern. He is indeed our lifetime pattern of seeking to follow him in his way of discipleship. This incident is not easy for Mary and Joseph. The story says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. One commentator, I think Ben Witherington, makes a comment that it's a poor choice of translation because the word implies that Mary liked Jesus' answer. (laughs) The statement is better understood to mean that Mary held these things in her heart. She pondered them. She thought about them. She wrestled with them. Perhaps she debated with them. The statement is telling us that she held all the inability that we have to understand sometimes God's ways and will with our lives. She held all the joy and all the sorrow, all the questions and all the doubts, along with the things that she knew for sure. She has this in common with all of us because she, like the rest of us, must wait and see how the will of God will unfold, who Jesus will become for each of us, where he will be led, where he will lead us, and where we will go. I've been emphasizing the humanity of Jesus, that he was like us. He experienced all that we experienced. He felt our feelings. He grew as time went on. But there remains the question, The haunting question that is taken up by that old carol that I quoted earlier, Jesus is our childhood pattern day by day, like as he grew. The question is, are we following his childhood pattern? Are we becoming closer to God than we were six months ago? Are we more trusting, more devoted than we once were? Are we developing more maturity and wisdom as we increase in years? are our hearts opening in greater compassion for others. Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge, in favor with God and with his fellow human beings. Jesus is our childhood pattern, day by day, like as he grew. I want to suggest to you this morning that we allow the pattern of continual growth in our Lord to encourage us to grow in our discipleship. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for all that we know and all that we are beginning to know about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to learn from every aspect of his life, his life as a child, an adolescent, and as a man, and help us to follow him in the way of growth within our lives. Hear our prayers. In his name we pray. Amen. Luke's gospel begins in Jerusalem. Luke's gospel ends in Jerusalem. It begins in the temple. It will end in the temple. As he goes out from the temple, out of the walls of the city to the cross of Calvary. And here this morning, as we think about our Savior, we think about him living his life, but also offering that life as a sacrifice for our sins. And so we come on this first Sunday of the month to take communion. If you're a visitor here, let me extend a a warm invitation for you to share communion with us. The way in which we practice is that Dr. Kelly and myself will be at the front of each of the aisles. And we have uh, waivers and we have a cup. And we invite you to come and take one of the waivers and dip it in the cup and receive it and then return to your seat. We will serve the choir first, and then we invite you to come. Come to this table to remember that Christ loves you, lived for you, and died for you. of response and commitment this morning is number 463. I invite you to stand and sing.
2: bow with me in prayer, please. Loving Lord, we come to this portion of our service when we reflect on all the goodness you have showered upon us, the blessings that we have received, those seen and those unseen, the way that you have sustained our life day by day, the way that you have led us and directed us in ways we know we can attribute only to you. Lord, we thank you for your constant care, your presence, your love, your mercy, and your grace. For all these things, we come and we return to you that which is yours. For we know, Lord, that all we have is truly yours. May we give cheerfully today, and as we do, may we trust and ensure that what we give We'll go forth in your name to share the love and the grace of God with all people in this community and beyond. In your holy name I pray. Lord, we bring these tithes and offerings to you. We ask, Lord, that you would multiply them and may they be used for your kingdom's work here. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we seated for just a moment, please? Just a couple of announcements. We want to uh, welcome those who are guests today uh, with us. We are happy that you chose to be here. And uh, also, just to ask you, if you would, members and Guests alike to linger long enough that you can enjoy some lemonade and cookies there in the narthex as we fellowship a little bit together uh, and um, welcome those who are here with uh, with us as guests today, and then also to uh, remind you of those events here during the week. Uh, started a new series last week of um, well, two weeks ago. Holy habits was two weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was two weeks ago. You've done two two sessions, yeah. Uh, on uh, holy habits and uh, spirituality for the 21st century come in and join us for that it's uh it'll be a, it's an interesting and um, will' hopefully um, inspire us to do the things we need to do and that is to be disciplined in our in our prayer life and as we seek to follow god's guidance i also want to remind you that as i did last week that on sunday evening if you're down in this area that there is a church that's using the sanctuary on sunday evening for their worship at five o'clock and uh, they'll be in here. It's a uh, very young church. They're not very old. I mean, they're four or five years old is what I mean. But they're also youthful church, too. So they're here at 5 o'clock. And uh, if you're down this way, just be, be mindful of that so that you will not feel like you've missed something that, uh, that you were supposed to attend. But you are certainly welcome to attend, as a few of us did last week and uh, for that time of worship. As we prepare to go out, uh, we do so with uh, an eagerness to go and to be uh, the people God has called us to be.
1: And as we go, know that the grace, the mercy, and the peace, and the presence of God will be with you now and forevermore.